When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome to On Deck with Stan C. I'm recording this sometime in the middle of MECQ or ECQ Season 4, however you want to call it. And with no end in sight to the pandemic, I figure I might as well record another episode. And if I was going to set a bar for myself at the end of Episode 1, I might as well just take that bar and raise it even further. Now, I didn't know who I was going to have as my next guest. I had a shortlist in mind, and I had a guest that I was thinking of having. But I never thought I could actually make it happen. So Babyface producer Ryan helped me pull some strings and we reached out to our family at Podcast Network Asia. And that's how I was able to get a hold of one of the iconic voices of FM radio here in the Philippines. She was also one half of that legendary duo that you may remember most and best from Monster RX 93.1 as one half of The Morning Rush. Today, that show exists still with Chico as its main anchor, along with several different hosts now, one of them being Rika G of The Halo Halo Show. But if you're an OG rusher, you'll remember this name the instant I say it. Delamar Arias is my guest on this episode of On Deck, and I'm just super excited to have a conversation with a legitimate legend in our industry. Now, before I bring on Dell and let her share her story, let me tell you about another podcast that's brand new here on Podcast Network Asia. There's this new podcast called All In, which is all about the stories who are living their authentic selves. These are the stories of the people who are living All In. Listen to Noel Nagiat as he talks to entrepreneurs and industry movers and shakers from all over the world. You've also got another new podcast featuring real parents facing modern problems together. Listen to Jelly, Victor, and JC Alelis as they interview modern parents from different walks of life to bring you a whole lot of laughs, knowledge, and sometimes even tears. The Parent Team Podcast is brought to you by Wyeth Nutrition Parent Team. Check out those new podcasts after this one because Podcast Network Asia has been working nonstop, yes, even through the pandemic, to bring you some brand new content to get your mind off of all the stress throughout, well, this uh, not-so-ideal situation. Now, before I go ramble on again about the things you probably don't want to hear about, let me get to my next guest because On Deck is one of my fellow podcasters, one-third of the eavesdrop on Podcast Network Asia, one of the former hosts of The Mother Show on Magic 89.9, and of course, one of the former hosts of The Morning Rush on Monster RX 93.1. Delamar is On Deck. Del, thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Wow, thank you for having me. I'm always, uh, this is my first ever podcast guesting, I think. Talaga? Yeah. Oh, and a podcast talaga. 
Uh-huh. And uh, I'm I'm very appreciative of the interest. <laughs> so thank you. Thank you for having me. How have you been and how's your family been throughout the pandemic? Like, how are you guys just keeping your heads above water right now? Well, at the beginning, uh, so, so my husband works for Fitbit here in the United States. And um, at the beginning, we didn't know, like, what was going to happen because uh, offices were starting to close down. And then some were being asked to work from home, but they didn't know what's what would like work from home long for now, or are we going to get fired and all that. But as soon as we understood, like the company is about health, so all the more the company needs to be there. Yeah. Um, once the job security fell into place, um, of course I'm kind of planning because I'm the mom, right? And I don't have work so here, so um, I got scared a little bit. And I think me and Tyler had known really ahead of time what was going to happen, what was the economic global, the global economic impact. And that was really what sent me reeling, but mostly because when I would talk to people, they don't understand that this is serious and it's, you got to buckle up for the long haul. And, but as soon as, you know, you kind of get used to the new normal. Yeah. And then here, here in Utah, uh, the big this big state has only 3.7 million people. Wow. <laughs> Makati has more people in it than the whole state of Utah. So social distancing is so possible here. We walk our dogs every afternoon. We go on a hike and you don't really see people. And once you see people here, they immediately cross to the other side or you take your cue from each other. And there's a lot of space. So hindi masyadong congested so hindi ka rin masyadong praning. But of course, you know, you understand what's really happening outside. So you, you're scared. But we're doing okay. I mean, I'm jealous because the cabin fever is real here in Manila. So obviously, just the, the, the luxury and the privilege to like be able to go out, walk your dog, see other people. Wow. Yeah. Um, I, I heard that you, so at some point, you guys weren't even allowed to go out of your homes. Not even to walk yeah. the dog or anything. Is that true? Yeah, unless it, unless it's a trip to the grocery or unless you're an essential worker. Yeah. Uh, but otherwise, you're just home. Yeah. Oh gosh. So you know, that was also one of the reasons why the podcast finally, um, you know, finally got going. I was like, I have to make use of this time somehow, be productive and whatever. And this idea has been around uh, for for a while, and I just never got around to, do, to doing it. So when I met you yeah. guys last December at the podcast network, I uh, know. <laughs> I was like, you know, I, I'm meeting these people in the radio industry. I'm meeting more people outside of my generation. And it feels so weird saying that. But like, I'm, people, <laughs> I'm meeting the radio industry people from outside my generation. And it's high time that um, I, I start interviewing them and getting to know their stories. So um, I, I have to start from the beginning with you and, and, and get into the origin story. So for those who weren't able to listen to you, uh, the panel that we did last December, What's your origin story in radio? How and why did you get into this crazy world? Okay, so j- just going back to when I met you last December, that was really fun. But um, I'm so sad that we didn't have enough time to sit down with everybody because it was so late. And then by the time we met you, um, our we were crashing already because it was the first uh, live podcast that we had, the eavesdrop. And we were yeah, so you guys just, went for hours. For hours, and then there were so many people we didn't even know that we could get that many people in. And but then by the time we had that talk, I was like, "Oh gosh, I'm crashing! I'm crashing! I'm crashing!" So I didn't have time to say hello. Or no, while you guys anything. were crashing, I was already getting drunk. So like, I I can totally relate. <laughs> okay, 
Okay, my origin story. So I was a third, a third, I was a junior in UP. And um, so my best friend, we were taking the bus and this call out, the first ever station to call out for a student program was 97.1 WLSFM. At the time, they were known as Campus Radio. So Campus Radio made sense to get all the students in. So my friend said, I bet you can't do it. I said, I bet I can. <laughs> and then, um, so one day we just got off. We were on the bus from SM City going to my house in Mandaluyong. And then we said, And then I went down uh, to GMA and walked in. And uh, I got uh, auditioned by Triggerman, Milo Cabarles. Wow. And, mm, and I didn't know, of course, I knew him from the radio. I knew that he was, you know, he was uh, like a Howard Stern. No, not a Howard Stern, but he was really cranky and that if he, he didn't like you, he would just cut you off. You know, no polite stuff. Yeah. And then, but then I'm not really easily scared. So I'm like, okay, let's do this. And then they asked me to talk about myself. I remember, I still remember how the, the booth looked and the smell of it, <laughs> that old radio smell. And then I was like, okay. And then I don't even know what I said about myself, but I just kept talking. And then I, at the time when I ended, I felt, okay, imagine the awkward hall. And then I said, okay, then that's it. And then I left. And then we were told to just wait for the plug because the plug would announce who made it. And then I made it. So wow. this was, yeah, this was 1993. And then from there, so what it was, was really just holding the board, handling the board, introing and extroing the songs, doing the time check and the sponsorships and all that. And so nung nagre-reliebo na yung lahat ng mga student jocks, I thought to myself, I can't do what everyone's doing. I can't mm -hmm. do that, you know? And I thought, I, I really want to get the audience in. And so... I got a name, which was, my, my, my name was Tinkerdell. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tinkerdell. And then I said, look, guys, this is, I'm a student. I know you would rather he hear from the actual DJ, but I'm invading it and I'm, I'm forcing myself on you guys. So it's just fair that you get to rate me and you can, you can be harsh, as harsh as you want, or you can be as nice as you want. So from one to 10, 10 being the highest, call me up and tell me how I'm doing. So anyway... I got a lot of calls and it was uh -huh. really, I was so invigorated. I, I had never felt so alive in my life. So much so that I didn't remember anything I said <laughs> whenever I would board for an hour. And so uh -huh. this went on. And then uh, the station manager at the end of it, because about a three month run. Lang yun eh. yeah. And then he said, okay, Dell, and then another two people. Um, you know, we'd like to keep you on. Would you be willing to work for us? And I'm like, yeah, sure. You, you want to hire me? You want to pay me to do this? And so... You were still in UP my, at the time. Oh, I was a junior in UP. And then when I told my dad, flat out, he said no. Never uh -huh. mind. He, he didn't know how I was doing in it. He just said no. Because his fear was that if I started working, I would not graduate. Mm -hmm. And in my family, graduating... Uh, and getting becoming a lawyer was the ultimate. That was the goal of everyone in the family. And so he said no. I was a little brokenhearted, but okay. It didn't matter to me. I was like, I just had fun. Okay. Then forgot about it. Then I graduated in 95. And then I was like, okay, now that I graduated, 
what is it all for? <laughs> no, no, I was thinking, okay, you prepared me, but what did you prepare me for? Like, what's the world? What am I going to do in the world? So anyway, I sent out my okay. resume, didn't hear anything. And then a guy, Koji Morales, um, who now works for K-Lite, yeah. had called me and said, Hoy Del, what are you doing? I said, nothing, nothing much, you know. And he said, do you want a, do you want a summer job? Because one of our newscasters is leaving. Maybe you can fill in for her mm-hmm. while she, until she comes back. So I'm like, yeah, sure. You know, and then that was only a summer job. And then it ended up, <laughs> so I was a newscaster. But then when I would get placed in the morning with Chico, um, something would happen. Like, um, <laughs> so the story was, since I'm the newscaster, I would only come in at the bottom of the hour to do the news. Yeah, but on this the is an tenth, RX na. Uh-uh, RX na to. And then on the 10th minute, before the 30th, the newscaster would come in and say, Hey guys, in the news at the bottom of the hour, parang intro. Yep. But then at the at the time you have to write that little spiel between you and the jock. Mm-hmm. But I didn't know Chico and he hardly talked to me off the air. So my my scripts were like, okay, history major ako, so I I don't I know nothing about broadcasting. I know nothing I was about ask about writing. that. Yeah. Yeah, nothing. And so one party I overhear him say to the to the senior newscaster na parang ang boring ng mga ang boring ng ano niya na ng, ng script niya. And I was like, really? Is that how you want to play it, huh? Because in my head I was like, well, I don't know you. How can yeah. I write your lines for you? So I came in that that Monday I remember, and it was a spiel on dogs. And I said, Dell, hi, good morning, Chico, ad lib. Del. So in the news, la Chico ad lib. So I did not write his lines for him. Mm-hmm. But this gave him the the leeway and the freedom to start talking like a normal, like a normal conversation. We were going to have a normal exchange. Yep. A real one. Because I wouldn't know what he was going to say. And we always ended up clashing, fighting. We were known as the people who fought on FM because at the time. FM was just very, very mellow, very cool. Nothing was ever said outside of what needed to be said. The most, the scariest thing was Trigger Man. Yeah. But it was never like a two-way thing. It was him unilateral. Like, I don't like you. Get off the phone. You know, get on. It's yeah. this one. These were two people fighting. And people thought it was scripted, but it was a real fight. But it was, I guess people thought it was very engaging and Sabiko, after 11 months doing that, I was like, um, I don't think I'm going to do anything. I think this is as far as it goes. So I wanted to resign. So I uh-huh. resigned, actually. And then I told um, the boss, sir, I think, you know, I, I think I, I want to go back to school. It's time. And he said, well, you know, we were just thinking of putting you in the show with Chico. Officially, we're going to uh-huh. give you a raise. We're going to give you a raise and you're going to be Chico and Dell. You're not a newscaster. You're a jock now. And I'm like, hmm, sounds good. This was 1995, nah. And 96, yeah. 1996, July. And then, so we were given, the, we were given the, um, the order. And then he and I sat down less than one hour, came up with the show. Mm-hmm. And then on Monday, we did it. And then that was it. 
I've got a couple of questions from that because there's so much to unpack there. Like the fact that you and Chico started off very adversarial towards one another. Um, that that's uh, that's a take on the origin story I haven't heard before. Um, <laughs> and and the fact that you were a newscaster before, I think I remember that one man from the uh, panel podcast that we did. Um, yung setup sa RX at the time was the newscaster in a different room because I know sa RT ganun yung setup and sa Mellow where I was training ganun din yung setup dati. So was it the same? Yeah, so we were, uh, so they were in the booth and I was like in the other corner on the other side of the office. And then yeah. I just, I just had a monitor next to me, typewriter, panana, electric mm-hmm. naman. <laughs> and then um, electric typewriter. And then I would hear him say, uh, coming up, you know, we'll find out what's happening in the news in a couple of minutes after this break. Stay tuned. And then I, I know that I should go to the booth already and yeah. is give him the script. So yeah, we, I was separate. Hindi kami magkasama, hindi kami nag-uusap. He is, he and I are kind of the same. Like I don't warm up to people right away. He's also kind of like that, aloof, you know, nerds there. So ganon, yeah. Do you remember how much your first paycheck was as a newscaster? And then when they told you, oh, we're gonna give you a raise, do you remember what that paycheck was like? Because I, yeah. I want to really break down this perception. Now, oh yeah, you know, you're a famous radio DJ. You probably make a lot of money. And I um I like to keep telling people that I'm not sick at all, and I'm not making bank. So what more kung yung mga <laughs> na, like when they were starting, how much were they making at the time? Um, so I remember, if I remember right, my first paycheck after the training when I was an actual employee. It was three thousand five hundred. This was ninety five. Yeah. But when when they had asked me to go on the show already as a co-host, uh, they said they gave me a raise. They started giving me ten thousand a month, which was a big deal to a student. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Whoa, ten thousand, man! I'm I made it." <laughs> oh. Do you remember yeah. what you spent that first paycheck on? Like when you were finally given that slot alongside Chico and then they gave you that first paycheck, right? Mm, um, I'm not really, I didn't really understand the impact of what was happening to me. Mm-hmm. Everything that had happened in my career, uh, it's only in the past couple of years that I understood how special it was. I didn't know it then while it was happening. And also with money, hindi kasi ako talaga hindi ako magastos. I mean, I have my moments, but hindi ako yung, I got money, let me spend it. I'm not like that at all. I like sp- saving. Yung, I'll indulge in some kikai stuff, but not really all out. So I probably just kept it in the bank. At the time, um, in the mid-90s, when you were promoted to the morning show with Chico, were there already a lot of female DJs na nasa morning shows? No, no. Not, not just on the whole FM band. So on the FM band, uh, females were usually at the time newscasters. Mm-hmm. So it was very annoying. It was very uh, dichotomized. Men were the jocks. Women were the newscasters. And if you were going to be a jock, if you were a girl, you'd have to be sexy. Uh-huh. So at the time, uh, Magic had the only girl who was doing a radio show like a, a host, not a newscaster. Was this Tina Ryan? Yes, Tina Ryan. And, uh, but theirs wasn't a talk show yet. It was just two people doing the show. So same thing. Um, music, a little bit of talk, and then, yeah, and on. So when I arrived, I was probably just the second um, female. And I remember in RX, females were not jocks. Females were newscasters. It was very clear and very dichotomized. So on. And so, so when I became a jock, that part I understood that that was a big deal. 
because mm-hmm. it was even then. It, I think I understood that because it was it was like breaking the ceiling, you know. Yeah. Breaking the glass ceiling and understanding that, okay, you kind of broke through. Um, okay, let's see where this goes. How did people respond to that? Like um, within RX, among the uh, the roster of DJs, or even outside, like people who were listening, did people begin to realize the impact of what was happening at that time? No, not at all. I mean, I wouldn't know what people thought of. Uh, I like in RX, I wouldn't know because I really didn't socialize very much uh, with others. Because and that's just when everybody's coming in, but I was out, right? Yep. And then, so I didn't know what they thought of it. Maybe they would, they would be, be better. It would be better to ask them, but I didn't really know what it meant for people. All I knew was, oh, now, okay, I'm now part of a show. Now, what, what do we do? And mm-hmm. I always, I remember though, feeling every morning I was excited to go to work. I was excited to go to work. I was like a little kid who was in in a cage being let out mm-hmm. and Sundays, Saturdays and Sundays were kind of sad for me because I didn't get to do the work. I was wanting to go to work every day and I look forward to it. As a matter of fact, every day seemed like a split second. I sat down. Huh? So that's how much I enjoyed it, but also how much I put myself into it. I, I knew that I wanted to do good work. I wanted to, not just language-wise, but I wanted to have quality of thought. If I'm going to sit down, I might as well say something, something that I feel is worth saying, right? So I knew that I knew that I took it upon myself to. I don't. I don't want to just be pretty, because I'm not. So I. I want to be. I want to be that girl who talks. I want to be that girl who talks. When when you were starting out, um, did you have another name other than uh, Tinkerdell or Delamar? Like, did you uh, think to yourself that maybe I should have like this really clever radio name or something that would draw the line between me as a radio personality and me as my my real self? Did you have that? No, not at all. It was really like it. It. I didn't really like. I said I didn't understand the full, the full importance of what was happening. But also because I started as a newscaster. And as a newscaster, because you're giving news, the truth, you know, an actual thing that happened, your credibility has to be high. And so you don't use code names. You had to Uh, use your real name. Because you're not entertaining them. You're giving them the news. So in that that respect, all of the girls were were using their real names. They They could choose their second name, but I didn't have a second name. And then... I really hated my name ever since I was old enough to understand that Delamar is not a common name. I yeah. hated it so much. But when I got to radio, I felt like that was when I really owned my name. Delamar is just so crazy. And so it's just so odd that people remember this name. And then the combination of Chico and Delamar sounded so original. Nobody had ever heard anything like that. And the show itself, so I, I really, I really liked my name, and I, I grew into it. I would say. Uh, can you tell us the origin story of your name? Like, uh, how, how did your parents come <laughs> up with it, and what does it mean? <laughs> okay, so, uh, <laughs> okay, what most people will say is Del Del Mar, which is Spanish, is of the sea. As a mm-hmm. matter of fact, when I interviewed Sting in 1997. 
I asked him for an autograph and he said, what's the name? I said, Delamar. And then he looked at me and said, of the sea. And remember, uh-huh. he had, a, he had a, an album, a Dream of the Blue Turtles. Mm-hmm. And so I felt so special. Anyway, uh-huh. um, so he, so Delmar is of the sea, but my name really wasn't Spanish. My father's name is Marcelino. My mm-hmm. mom's name is Adelaida. Now they had this weird idea that I guess parents of that generation did, which was to combine it. Yeah. So all of us in the family, family of five, five kids, we all had Mars. So the running joke in the family was, we've all been marred. Because <laughs> 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 my, my sister's name is Adeline Mar. My uh-huh. brother's name is Paul Mar, Sam DeMar. And then the youngest is Marcelino Jr. And then I'm Delamar because my mom's uh, nickname is Del. So yeah. they thought Delamar. So that's how I got my name. It's very Pinoy then, the by the portmanteau of the names. Yes. Certain syllables being put together. It's yes. something only Pinoys will actually understand. I know, and it's it's insane. Like, why would you name your kid Delamar? What would you what do you even call her? Yeah, but look what happened to you and look how you turned out. Yeah, but but my nickname at home was Pinky. So Delamar was like the school name. But then I, I really grew into my name more so in on radio. That was really like, oh, Delamar, yeah. Let's get into the origin story of the morning rush. So you mentioned earlier that Kayuni Chico, you sat down and you planned everything. Um, was the name the morning rush uh, something you came up with Nusumalikana, or did it happen uh, even before that? Well, he had been the host of the morning rush with Chico Garcia for five years before I came on to the show. Oh, okay. So I was just an addition. So it's they just put with Chico and Delamar, but otherwise it was it was them that decided. It was Chico's show, basically. And they put you there with the idea that ah, to every morning. No, because uh, you know at the time you really w- were prohibited from going off script. Because people didn't know how to have a conversation back then on radio. They might go off and never come back to the point of the whole thing. So everyone was discouraged to, uh, to go off script. So, but he and I, when we went off script, it was really, it was really different. And people were really, we were really fighting. But fighting, uh, I think people thought it was cute. It was like Muppets. That's how they described us described us if we were Muppets. If Muppets were alive, that's exactly how they would do radio. <laughs> so, because <laughs> he sounded like Kermit and I don't know, I sound like some other a character. No, how you register think of seeing voices new. Oh, high register. And then, and then also the kind of language that we use, we were very uh, grammatically, uh, we were proper? very aware. Oh, I would say proper, and we were we we were nerds, talaga, when it came to that. So, yeah, when when people heard it, parang ibasha ibasha talaga from everything else. The landscape of FM was very different when we broke into the scene. So, wh- when did you? Uh, realized that you were beginning to put it all together and that people were responding to it. You guys were getting overwhelmed with the listeners and that uh, the advertisers were coming in. Like how long from when you got uh, put in with Chico to that moment Now, oh, I think we're onto something here. Okay, so by the time that they asked me to, to join the show, uh, like I was saying, we were never um, allowed to go off script, no? But I think when, when we did go off script, Little did we know, because I'll set it up for you 
how it seemed to Chico and I. So Chico used to start the show at five in the morning and I would come in for the first newscast at six. Mm-hmm. And then that was it. Then that the thing name mga tao. So when we arrived in the booth in in the office, dark, walang tao. Yeah. So we 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 really thought we were alone, and I think that's also how we were so honest with each other. We we thought nobody was listening anyway. So even the bosses were not listening because otherwise they would have, they would have you know, fired my ass right there <laughs> for yeah. going off script, right? But then I think advertisers started to ask them, like, who's in the morning? Who are those people fighting in the morning? And that was, I think, the, the, the impetus for them to get me on the show officially, not just a newscaster, as a newscaster, but more of a co-host. It was really the, the, people, the advertisers, I would say. Because I'm interested. Yeah. And then, so I started that in, I joined him officially July 1996. And then, may buzz na. Of course, I Because if you'd, like my, I just have to say that I'm a pastor's daughter. So to me, this world is worldly. And it was never something that I knew or wanted to be a part of. So, hindi ko alam yung intricacies, hindi ko alam yung what the whole, that whole side. I just knew that I like to talk. And if the great conversation is happening, I want to be part of it. That's all I knew. Yeah. And so, um, uh, what's this? So once it started, dumadami yung page and then we were getting regulars and then I remember people coming to the booth and then they would sit behind me and it really freaked me out I'm not uh-huh. I'm alone yeah I'm, I'm a loner at the time and parang I can't do this why are you here but they were so familiar because to them they're so interested in you and they hear you every morning to me, who are you? You're you're stranger. So it was really weird for me. And then I remember the real the real mark that we knew we had hit it off was we got a call from Viva to guest on Dina Bonavi's talk show at the time. Wow. So naman, oh, kami naman, uh, sino? So we we assumed that it was an episode on DJs, which would already happen from time to time, channel two, channel seven. And then we asked, oh, who are the other jocks? And then they said, uh, kayo lang. So kami ni Chico parang, kayo lang? Bakit? And then we understood that the whole episode was on us. And then when we arrived at GMA, that was when I understood, shit, this is big. And I didn't yeah. even dress up. I didn't think about the, you know, wala talaga. People started getting your photo, photo with you, have their, having to ask you for a photo. Uh-huh. And then when we sat down and they were asking us these things, I was like, oh, oh, that's when we got it. That's when we got it. So um, what was your reaction then? Like uh, when it hit you na, oh, wow, we're really getting famous or there's, uh, or there's a certain level of notoriety, especially for you na you didn't really have the formal uh, training background before you did that audition at LS. Na parang, uh, as you mentioned, you just wanted to talk and be part of a great conversation. So... Um, what what was that like for you? I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't wowed by the acknowledgement or what I, that, the, that was fame happening. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I, and I'm, I'm not really wowed by that. I really just wanted to do the work. I yeah. just really wanted the conversation. And every day that we talked, it was always a discovery 
of what, like an issue of the time would come up and I would find myself understanding not just the issue, but how I felt about the issue while doing the show. And to me, that is, to me, that's precious. I really, really enjoyed that. So that was what I was in it for. And I knew that Chico was such a great person to talk to. There was a lightness to the conversation. There was substance, but there's also humor. And it can get you like, you know, 180 degrees for being serious. And then he throws a punchline and you just end up laughing. And I knew that that, that was what I wanted to do. So hindi ko I wasn't really focused on the getting, getting known part. What I really wanted to do was just to discover about the, the skill, the yeah. craft, and doing the show. Did you have any horror stories of um, listeners probably crossing a line? Because from my experience with my female partners, there have always been listeners who kind of you know, towed the line uh, between um, awkward and really creepy. So as a female in the industry, especially in the 90s, I can imagine it must not have been easy for you as well to deal with listeners like that. Yeah, madame. There were many, like, uh, <laughs> stalker stories. Like, I had a nun, an actual nun stalk me. Why? Like, I don't, I really didn't understand. And I, I didn't even understand what was happening. She was just really very interested. And to me, naman, okay. And then I was in the mall with my friend and we run into her. And I'm like, oh, hi. Oh, hi. Yeah, nice to see you. We go up one more flight of stairs. Lo and behold, we see her again. And the next flight, <laughs> we see her again. And I'm like, this is very strange. Uh-huh. So I've had that. And then I had like this guy who was a pilot, really handsome, huh? wait for me outside of the booth. This, this was in Casina. He was there. And somebody said, hey, you know, that guy who brought something for you, he's outside and he's been there since six o'clock. And I was really freaked out. I was Yikes. really freaked out. Oh, he was very, oh, parang intense. So I have a lot of those and a lot of them I probably don't remember. But the first time we launched an album, I remember Chico said there was this girl who was hiding behind the trees. And oh, <laughs> stories. And then, so, yeah, there were many, many stalker stories. Somebody gave me a painting. This uh, stockbroker stock, stock guy gave me a Gucci bag and shoes. I don't know. Did you use them? Uh, I tried to return it because when I understood, because I didn't into those things, but when I understood it was a Gucci and how much it costs, I wanted to give it back. Like, look, I don't want to be beholden to anybody. Yeah. And so, but then he was like, no, 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 it's yours. And yeah, it was, it was crazy. How did you deal with those? And, and like, uh, how do you even deal with that, that thought Nah, oh yeah, so-and-so is stalking me or this is really getting creepy and is, is making me feel uncomfortable? I don't know. I'm, a, I'm really kind of a tough chick. I don't, I don't scare easy. I understand that you're, you're, you're stalking me, but I... So that nun had sent like really scary letters because I was, I was featured in one of the shows and we were running at the UP Oval with my friend. And so, and it wasn't Chico. So in the shot of that segment, it was me running and my friend. And she had written me a letter na parang, Sino yan? Hindi yan dapat ganyan, ganyan, ganyan. Papapatay ko siya, ganyan, ganyan, ganyan. From a nun? <laughs> like, really threatening. 
And uh, next time I saw her, I gave her a piece of my mind and I think she got scared. <laughs> I mean, I can be scary too. So um, I don't really, I don't scare easy, I guess. I'm a tough chick like that. You mentioned Casey. So at some point, you guys moved from RX to Casey. Um, um, for, for people who aren't su- so super familiar, it was 93.9, diba. Right? And uh, they used to have a pop format before they became uh, Massa. So from, the, from, from a behind-the-scenes standpoint, this is the story I really wanted to get into. How does that happen? Like, How do you guys go from being on the morning show of RX to jumping ship? Parang, it's like you're moving sports teams and there was like a free agent situation going on like that's how I always saw it so I always wanted to know the story it was from such your perspective. a big deal it was such a big deal and it was I think I think it traumatized Chico to be honest so we had started the show in 1996 and it didn't feel like it didn't feel like well no I, I won't go into detail but we weren't happy Let's just put it mm-hmm. that way. We just weren't happy. And for some reason, we ran into a friend who was now working for KC and just wondered, hey, how are you guys doing? And then because, you know, we knew him from the radio also before. Yeah. We were more liberal with the story. Uh, you know, ganyan, ganyan. You know, yung mga ano, um, inside story ng mga jocks, diba? So we were liberal he knew who we were talking about and so we just said and then i guess what we didn't know was they were on the cusp of changing programming from masa to they were going to be like rx now they were doing top 40 yeah and so then he went to his boss and said they're not happy maybe we can offer them something so they offered us and We were, we, well, I won't speak for Chico. I said he won't, he, he, maybe it's better that you ask him, but we were just so unhappy and unappe- felt underappreciated that we said, well, maybe we should just go try something new. And when that happened, we gave them a two week notice so that they can fill in, you know, train the new people coming in. How was that received? Sh- no, they, uh, so. <laughs> Um, well, they counter-offered, and it was the first time that they counter-offered, or the second time in the history that they counter-offered, uh, an, uh, yeah, they counter-offered, and we had said no. First, they wanted to match it. We said no. Then they said, what if we gave you higher? We still said no. Wow. So the question, so the question was like, what? Why don't you like us? And that was really hard to hear because then I understood that who we were talking to did not know what we were feeling. Mm -hmm. So the boss didn't know what we were going through. There was a there was a boss who. No, sorry, sorry. Uh, Was this this the the station manager or the owner? The owner. The owner. So the the owner, and so he he did what we what I now understand is he had no idea how how we felt how we felt we were being treated there was a gap in communication in other words and then we left and they cut us short so on a saturday morning we told them friday saturday as soon as the show was over they said pick up your things don't bother coming back wow and and we were not allowed to say goodbye to our listeners and listeners you at the time would visit us. As in, marami yung pag-Saturday, parang party dun sa booth. 
So they they saw what happened, and we we still have a picture of that Saturday morning where magayong matako and I had a box. You know those classic, you know, in scenes in movies where you have that box and it has all your things when you got fired, when you get fired, and that was it. Yeah. So. Uh, they just told you guys to go and then how long between that Saturday and then you guys showing up on KC? I don't remember, but I think it was something like a month maybe. It was Uh a month, probably a month or maybe longer. And that was scary. Because remember at the time, there was no Twitter, there was no social media and people didn't know. Like all of a sudden, they tune in on a Monday, we weren't there. Yeah. What year was this? This was 1999. It was 1999, and um, and then it there was a real battle because, of course, big deal. It was such a big deal that Ricky Law had to write about it. You know, I didn't know that it was like, bakit ganitong attention? Bakit ganito? But it was a really big deal, and for a while, we were, kung baga, the, the story that the narrative was, mga walang utang na loob, sumikat, iniwan, ganon. But people didn't know. Ooh. And then Chico and I did not say a word. We knew. We decided mm-hmm. no word, no excuses. We're not going to explain. We're just going to say as little as possible, which we did. And we were blackballed in, in the industry. Even advertisers were, we were, they were, they were told stories. So they also didn't like us. So when we did our show... What, but what management was expecting in KC was that the advertisers would come flocking to our new show, but that didn't happen because a lot of politicking had gone on behind the scenes. Did you guys have like an agent or a manager who was helping guide you through this transition period? Oh, no, no. No, that was not heard of at the time. <laughs> so we did everything on our own. But this much I will say that those were really scary times and Chico was very, very stressed. Chico is like a live and let live kind of guy. He is the, he's a genius in what he does and he's an artist and he can't take, he really, it will be so stressful for him, any kind of confrontation or trouble like that. And I knew that it had taken a toll on him. But this much I know, once we started our show on Casey, that was for me when I understood what I was really doing. Because the novelty of the show had disappeared. Hindi na bago eh. So now what do you do? And you've been in this for three years. Medyo nasanay ka na. Hindi ka excited. And this is when we knew that you create the energy on the show. It doesn't happen. Maybe at the beginning, it just happens like that because you're so excited. You're excited at, at being young, being heard by so many people and having yeah. all that, you know, the attention on you. But you don't know that when you do a show, there's an energy that you create and you got you to gotta do it. Not the listeners. Primarily, you're the prime mover of this. And if you know that, then every decision you will make on the show is geared towards that. And so we came up with great, we did Rush Hour Cafe, which we brought guests in cafes and then we would talk to them. And it was really great exercise. It was a great exercise. And I knew that this is what this is about. You, it's not just about talking. It's about creating an energy that talk will be important, will be almost imperative that will be exciting, that people can't turn 
turn you off. They want to know more. They want to know more. So the question to a jock is, how do you make that happen? What do you do? What's, what is it? So that's when I, that's for me, that's when I understood what my job was. What was the reaction when you guys first showed up on KC, like in the industry or uh, among listeners, lalo na yung mga listeners niyo who didn't know what had, uh, what had happened to you guys when you disappeared? So they didn't know where we were. And of course, they didn't know our numbers. So all of a sudden, siguro by chance, kasi dati dial eh. Yeah. So madadaanan mo ang, ang, ang KC if you go uh, a little ahead of the band. And so they started. And then, yun na, word of mouth. Oy, nasa, we heard their voices. They're on KC. But when we got to KC, not all, but majority of them, of course, didn't, didn't like that we were there. And I yeah. knew that. Because a lot of shitty things were happening. You know, you, your paycheck slip was being opened. You know, mga ganon. Yes, and they, little do they know that we know what they were saying behind our backs. Not all of them, but mm-hmm. a lot of them. And it was very, I think it added to the stress for Chico. Ako naman kasi, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit ready for war. You know, if, it, if need be, I know you don't like me, but this is my job. Your, yeah. I got an offer from your boss to do this show. Now, I don't know what your deal is, and I'm not going to play that because I'm, I'm outside of that. I don't play the hierarchy game because this is not it. I'm just doing a show. But apparently, some people think that way. There's a hierarchy. So if you're your newcomer, bow ka Right. And, and it was like, I don't get that. I really don't. Um, and maybe if I were a rookie and getting trained by you, definitely, because I know nothing. But if yeah. I've been contractually um, asked to do a show, and you know I can do a show, I don't think I need to do that. Maybe in the social setting, yon, you're the new kid. So, Money, it's up to you to really try to, to get to know them. But by that time, I was already turned off because I could feel the, the wall. Yeah, there was tension from, from what you're uh, trying to express. Mm-hmm. So yeah. how, how long did it last then? Like, uh, did, did you guys last long? We were there for another three years. So in 2002... Uh, they decided there was a lot of politicking happening at the station as well, but the sales part. So the sales uh, wanted to go back to old programming because there was much more money. And even now, you know, you're in the radio, Masa stations make a lot more money, you know? Yep. And, and that's mm-hmm. why they wanted to go back. So when that happened, we were let go, all of us. We were given Isang separation. Isang bagsak. Separation wow. pay. And so we were like, oh crap, what now? Did it and feel then, like you guys took a bad gamble? Yeah, definitely. Yes, definitely. And then at the time, by that time, we had a manager. Coming out of KC, we had already had a manager, uh, Ronnie Anares at the time. And um, so, but, but my boss in KC said, you know, uh, friend, ko, friend ko yung mga taga magic. Mm-hmm. It was, so he, he felt responsible for having gotten this out of Rx, and now three years later, we're out of a job. So testament to how great a boss he is, he felt an obligation to help us out 
in getting a new job or getting another station to do a show in. And uh, I really appreciate that. You, you hardly find that in this industry because he was also losing his job. But I really loved that boss of mine. I really did. And uh, we, were, we were going to talk to Magic at the time. But then RX called. And then they want, only wanted to talk to Chico. They didn't want to talk to me. How did, uh, how did you feel about that? Um, clueless naman talaga ako eh, a lot of times. So, kasi Chico was friends with the owners eh. They, yeah. they went to UP at the same time. So, I guess in a way, medyo naiintindihan ko na, oh, okay, it's between friends. Yeah. But, but in hindsight, that was low. Right. And I knew who exactly that was who said, don't bring Dell. Wow. So, so when, when, when having to ask us to come back, it, I wasn't asked. It was just him. And in hindsight, because at time, that, uh, okay, 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 all right, clueless. Ako. But when I, years later, I understood, that's bad. Yeah. That's bad. That's, that's bad form because I am 50% of the show. Mm-hmm. But to their, kasi, that, whoever I'm talking about, then kasi, the, they think I'm, I'm just an addition. I'm just a superstructure to the show. So that's their point of view. So I don't agree, but maybe that's how they felt, how he felt. So for me, bad form. I, what changed? What changed from the initial don't bring Dell to Biglang, the two of you come back together again as a tandem? Uh, Chico told me already, like, oh, they, they think this, they think this, 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 uh, they want this, yeah, you, um, you want to sit down with them. So by the time we sat down, it was different there. It, it, was, it, it was like, okay. It wasn't like, I just didn't like being excluded. Yeah. I don't think that's respectful. Um, but I guess people have their own their own take on things. And I'm sure they would view it in a very different way. But for me, I, I really didn't appreciate it. So when you sat down with them and then uh, you already had this, um, I, I guess, apprehension heading into a meeting like that, what moved you to say, yeah, sige, you know, I'll keep doing this. I'll, I'll play ball with you guys. Because, like I said, it was all in hindsight. Nung time na yon, Chico was just saying, so what do you think? I think it's better to go back because these are people we already know. Are we going to go out again to another station where we have to relearn uh, the inner workings and the politicking inside and all that or go back? So uh, he, was, he was saying he, he liked the idea of it. He preferred it. Yeah. And so because he, he, is, he was my friend, I, I, I trust his judgment about it. And I thought, okay. Sobrang delayed yung pagkakaintindi ko nung ano talagang nangyari. To me, I was just, oh, okay, so we're gonna do the job there. Okay, when do you come back? June 17. Oh, okay. All right. Sige. That's it. And then we went back to work. And that was hard because, because we, were, we were vilified the whole three years that we were gone. And then here you are coming back doing the show. So what happened to the people doing the show when we were gone? They had to move out. That doesn't, that doesn't make for good camaraderie. Yeah. I can so imagine under- that must have been awkward. 
very awkward. And again, you knew what you, it was, sabi ko, wow, going into KC, ganito yung feeling. Coming back into RX, it's like you had a dart, a bullseye paper behind your back, you know, and, and you just know people are saying stuff about you. Um, I don't know if it's just sheer cluelessness on my part. No, I knew, but I partly, to be honest, I don't care. If you don't like me, your prerogative. Honestly, you can hate me. But if I'm here to do a job, I'm going to do that job the best I can. You can hate me. Sige, go ahead. But if they want me to do the show, I'm going to do the show. They'll fire me. Yeah. But, but you guys ended up lasting, or you yourself lasted another 15 years in RX, right? So like, um, when did things start to turn around again and uh, just, just be positive again, I guess? You really have to rebuild. You have to, whatever the preconceived notions of people around you, you have to show up knowing that they don't like you or they, they think things about you that might not be true and let the action speak for itself. Now, whether they understand that or not is not important. The, the important thing for me is to show up. And so rebuilding relationships was, okay, maybe you don't like me. Okay, I'll just do my job. If you, oh, you have to do this, okay. But if you, I just did my job. And by doing my job, things slowly changed. And people could see now, ah, they're not that way. You, you yeah. know, you have, to, you have to allow people to feel how they feel about you. But you show up anyways. And maybe your actions will speak differently. Maybe you will prove them wrong. Maybe you will prove them right. But show up anyways. Because it's your job. But it was really like slowly rebuilding. And then, I won't say who this jock was, but before he left the station, he pulled me aside. And he said, Del, you know what? Years ago, I really hated you. Hated what you did while you left. And I was harsh on you, to be honest. And I just want to say sorry. Because now I understand why you left and what you were feeling. I just wanted to say that. I what my floor dropped. I mean, my, my, my jaw dropped to the floor. I was like, whoa, does this really happen in real life? But what he said to me was so important. I really value it. And I hope, but... I hope that he knows that what he said to me mattered and it helped me so much. It eased the wounds that were there, the scars. And knowing that people may not like you today, but tomorrow might be a different story. It's not a, it's not a verdict. It's yeah. a continuing thing. Yeah. What about the rushers though? Like, how was it like rebuilding that relationship and that connection with them, especially after uh, they'd seen your journey from RX to KC, then back to RX? Did, did any of them vilify you through the transition periods or was it hard to just rebuild that fan base? Mm, some of them, some of them. But what I remember is a lot of them went looking for us. And came to us in KC. And again, after every show on a Saturday, it was like a party. Somewhere between 20 to 30 people would be waiting. And in the old KC booth, it was all glass. And you will do your show while they can see you from wall to wall. I mean, ceiling yeah. to wall, yung, yung glass. So you're like in a fishbowl so they could see you. And it was a party every Saturday. And Chico and I, that's one of the things we used to do, like, 
Tapos na ang show by 10, but we will stay with the rushers until 11. And really talk to them, get to know them, and understand what they love about the show. But it went beyond that after a certain point. We knew their personalities, you know, mga ganon. And, and there was friendship building so much so that in this year of 2020, I have a, a fan who used to listen to the show when she was in high school. And now she's a lawyer. And she has been with me, visiting me when I was gone from radio. She would come visit me in Fairview. And there's a real friendship. And there were times when I felt low and she would tell me, no, remember what you said back in 1999? You said this. Now live it. <laughs> you know? And um, so there was a real community. That's what I loved about The Morning Rush. That community and those people who listened to us, uber smart people. You couldn't, you couldn't say anything wrong. If you dropped a fact that was not right, that was, yeah. no, they would call you out. We had a paleontologist. We had the director of NEDA listening to us. You know, these are people who know their shit. So if yeah. you say something bad, nako, you'll hear about it. And I love being in the company of people who know what they're talking about. And if you're wrong, you need to say, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, let me correct myself. And that's great. I love that. So yeah, the, the listeners, they never left us. Some did, but most of them stayed with us. Did you guys ever talk about taboo stuff on the show? Yung tipong, oh, um, especially um, in, in the 90s or in the early 2000s where it wasn't as progressive back then. And especially for, say, a woman to talk about certain topics like sex or whatever. Um, was that a line you ever crossed? Or was that something that, oh, I'm going to leave that to other, you know, uh, other jocks or like the shock jocks or whatever? Well, uh, there, I was very brave about saying how I feel about certain things. Yeah. And uh, I, I, I'm just that person where, okay, this is what I think. And I'll tell you why I think that. This, 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 is this. You may not agree with me, but at least you know the, where I'm coming from and what I'm basing my opinion on. So I was very brave. In a Catholic country like the Philippines, the Da Vinci Code was such a big deal back then. And I really mm -hmm. said, this is shit. How, this is stupid. First of all, it's a story. It's not saying that it's the truth. It's a movie. So, so anyway, I would be brave enough. But one thing though, na medyo hindi namin tinatouch masyado was kasi nga, para kaming Muppets eh. Muppets don't have sex. So, it was very, very, very naughty. You know, uh -huh. very parang, parang uh, adolescent kind of thing. There's a hee 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 hee. You know, it's, like, it's not like you talk about sex in this day and age where it's so, you know, matter-of-factly. Back then, it was a little different. Yeah. But we were very, even the LGBTQIA, um, what do you call this, issue, we were ahead of it. We were, we were there talking about their rights and, and how we felt about it. We were quite brave, maybe except with the exception of sex. But everything else was fair game. And management never really put a leash on you guys saying, na, oh, hanggang dito lang pwede pag-usapan. Or, oh, you can't really talk about politics because it's divisive or polarizing. You never got that flack. Uh, well, we never really talked about politics per se. It was not what, what what we were interested in. It was more of the social stuff that was happening, and and not the politicians or whoever was running for president. That was that was not our thing. Our thing was uh, other issues. But I do remember being told not to talk about being a mom. This was later on. They told me, 
try not to sound like a mom because uh, we want, you know, people still feel like you're, you know, you're attainable. And I was like, what are you talking about? I'm on the cover of a magazine with my son. How can they not know? There's social media where people know I have a child. And honestly, I'm not the girl you want to date. That was never my thing on the radio. I'm not that hottie that, that you want to date. I'm that girl you want to talk to. I'm that girl you want to laugh with. I'm that girl you want to have a debate with or share your secrets to. That's me, not the girl that's a hottie that you want to show off to your friends or bring out to a date. That's not me. But then I was told that, don't be a mom. Were those things conscious that. decisions, like the way that you wanted to present yourself vis-a-vis how you are in real life? Because uh, you know, you're right. Like There's that stereotype that if you're a pleasant-sounding female on radio, you're the hottie, you're super attainable, or you're aspirational. And then you just wanted to bring it down to, uh, not, okay, not bring it down, but like be the relatable kausap instead of that hottie or that well, character. I don't, I don't went I don't think it was um, a conscious effort on my part to be, no, no, I am this, not that. It, no, I just want, I'm just me. So when people wanted to tell me to play a game, the script of the girl on the radio is someone you want to date. That's, no, no, no. Have you been listening to me? Because that's not me. So it's not like I set out to be this girl. No, it's just that they, when they were forcing it on me to be that girl, that's when I said, but that's not me. That's not me. Um, no, I, there is very little. There's, okay, the girl on the radio is me. But that's me talking to my friend and doing my job. That's not me in real life in the sense that um, of course, I will be different because I'm not doing a show. Yeah. But if you know me, there's a lot. That Dell on the radio is very much the Dell off the air. There's, there's no persona. I don't know how to make a persona. I'm too loose mouthed to have a persona. I don't have any filter. <laughs> there are things that I say that I probably shouldn't say, but I feel like, no, I don't understand why you can't say that. So I'm that girl. I don't have a persona. What you see is what you get, I think. So we're down our last few minutes here, and I guess I uh, I want to start winding down by talking about um, the move to magic and how that happened and how that was received. Because you know the RX magic um, rivalry, I guess, is something that people kind of know about but don't really know about. Maybe the people in the '90s and the early 2000s would know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I by the time that I said goodbye to being a co-host on the Morning Rush. I didn't really want to go back to radio. For me, it was my day is done on radio and I really wanted to concentrate on family. That's what I wanted to do. And then I said, oh, no, no, I want to do a web series, which I did. Um, But then, so I left in July. By December of that same year in 2017, um, no, 2016, I got a call and they said, hey, Magic wants to know if you'd be open to the idea of doing a show, a mother show, with Ricky and Andy. And I was like, me? Me? Yeah. I would go, uh, okay, yeah, I'm open to it, but let me think about it. My, the thing that was going on in my head was really Chico. Yeah. You know, he was my friend. And um, I know that that move will affect him, although it shouldn't. 
Mm-hmm. Because, l- look, you told me I couldn't be a mom, right? You told me that. And it drove me away. So I was going to be a mom. And now here comes magic asking me, be a mom. One hour, um, three hours every Friday. And I was like, I want to be part of that. That's the first ever mom show on FM radio. Yep. If I'm the first girl to do a talk show like that on FM radio in 1996, I certainly want to be that first FM mom, one of the first FM moms to have an actual show. I wanted to be a part of that. And it didn't matter to me that it was magic. There, were, there was some, because if you're a batang 90s, ka, you're working in the 90s, the rivalry was so strong. Yep. That it felt like a betrayal to now go there. But when you think about it, is it really a betrayal? What is the betrayal? Right. You, not, you need to ask those questions. Otherwise, people will control your life. Because honestly, there was no betrayal. I, and as a matter of fact, I asked Chico. He said, Nico, if you want to do it, you have to, you know, and he gave me his advice. And then I went to uh, one of the sales, the head, of, one of the important salespeople of RX, and told them that I was going to do it. Para may, parang uh, pasabe. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't a permission. I was letting them know so that it doesn't catch them off guard. Yeah, parang so, it doesn't look like you went behind their backs. Yeah, I wanted. I want you to know. It can, I want you to hear it from me, and I would like to do it. And this is, I said, look. I want to, I, I, I don't know why we feel like we can't do it. Why? Athletes, NBA people jump from team to team, right? Yeah. Why can't they they hire DJs? Yes. And so I, I really understood that. Why are you trying to control me by saying there's a betrayal? Where, tell me exactly where the betrayal is. And then we can talk. But otherwise, if you don't even want to explain that to me, because you know there's no betrayal. There's none. It's just me being offered something that I want to do. Yeah. Right? And that's when I went. And honestly, there was so much hesitation. So much so that when I first met Ricky and Andy, I was like, is this the right thing? I don't think this is going to work. But I'm going to sit down and hear. But it was undeniable how warmly I felt about them. How, how I knew that we could talk on the radio. I didn't know how, but I was confident that we could have a show together. Um, how, how long did, the, uh, did your stint on the mother show last? So, because I left for the U.S., I only was able to do four seasons. So, 2019, sometime before, May, yeah, that May was my last show, and then we left for the U.S. by June. But the mother show was still ongoing after. So, if I had stayed in the Philippines, we would have been still ongoing with the mother show. As a matter of fact, there was some sort of talk now we would still do it like via Zoom now. Yeah. But so far, we're just waiting for, for word. When you moved to the US to Utah, did you ever think now, oh, uh, why, why don't I try pursuing radio here? Yes. Yes, I did. Um, partly because I wanted to know, are you good enough? Can you transfer audience? Are you relatable? Are you, do you have the sound? Do you, you know, it's a different, like a different standard. I wanted to know if I come up to the standard in this one. Yeah. Do I do, you know, and then I wanted to know. And I felt like maybe the voice of an immigrant on the radio 
might be a good presence. Here I am again, the non-entity coming into the fold and trying to do a show. So yes, it did enter my mind. As a matter of fact, I had sent my resume to one of the one of the universities here. They have a radio a station, and they wanted to hire um, a pinch hitter who can go in the morning and or in the afternoon at a moment's notice. But because I'm not yet an American citizen, I can't really work. So, but yeah, it entered my mind. It really did. I have to say. With about a year having passed since, uh, you know, you stopped going on the air on the regular. What do you miss most about radio? I, I'm a radio animal. That's what I realized because podcasts are great and this is the future. But what radio gives you that other mediums won't, media won't, is that liveness to it. Once you say something, you can't edit it. It's out there. So if you say something stupid, you, it's out. Yeah. If you say something smart, it's out. Yep. So what does that do to a talent? You have to be on your toes the whole time. You have to be present the whole three hours or four hours that you're doing a show. And it, for me, it makes me feel so alive. I, I, you know, after a show, Chico and I are exhausted because it's not like, oh, I'm just going to play a song, say hi to people, play a song, do a commercial. No, you got to give something, give yourself. Otherwise, it's not worth it for me. If you're going to say something stupid, at least it's real. And if people are going to react to you, let them react to something real. Let them, let them be curious enough to debate with you or to say you're wrong or to say you're right. That's the beauty of radio because it's so live. It's so here and now that other media can't do it. Podcasts are edited. So if I can say something here now, I, I can always ask you, hey, Stan, can you take, a, take out that part where I said this, this, this? Yeah. So the liveness of it is not there. But radio is just an amazing medium and it trains you to really be a good broadcaster. Because, and what I like about it is there's no visual that distracts people. Mm-hmm. And I like that because now we go on thoughts. Now we go on words. Now we go on ideas. That's all. And that's all you need to know about me. Not how I look, not how old I am, not where school I went to, but just what we're talking about and whether you agree with me or not, or whether you find it funny or not, or infuriating. And that liveness of radio has to be kept alive. Enough that I know people have been saying, oh, radio's dying, radio's dying, radio's dying. Well, make it alive. (laughs) Make it alive. And how do you make it alive? Any jock that sits behind the microphone doing a show, remember that air, that air, that frequency, it's worth nothing. It really is not worth nothing. It's not worth anything. What makes it worth it is the person doing the show. Because once that person does a great show, then that air becomes valuable enough that people want to buy 30 seconds of it. They want to buy a minute of it. And so the jock has to be given their due importance, their artistry, their skill. I know a lot of people are, no, not a lot, but some are not really good. And I really think they shouldn't be there. But, but no offense, but if you're there and you're hearing this, then make it good. You're already there. 
make that air worth it that people want to pay you ridiculous amounts of money just to air 30 seconds of their product. Uh-huh. That, that's what I think radio jocks should understand about the skill. That's sage advice. I mean, um, you, you don't just learn that overnight, but for someone like me to just hear that firsthand from you, that's a hell of a piece of advice. So I guess right? just to, yeah, right? Um, I, I never would have thought I would hear it in a medium like this, but fuck, I'll take it. <laughs> um, <laughs> I guess to just wrap things up, uh, as, as a parting question, I want to ask you what your all-time favorite moment on radio has been. Just so we can end it on a positive note. Wow. What my favorite moment on radio is. Honestly, I couldn't isolate it because I see I see my job on radio as like a whole entity. And every day that I did the show, whether we were drunk or not, we still came to the station at six o'clock in the morning. Didn't matter if I was hung over, I would just need water and coffee and people should never know that I'm drunk. As a matter of fact, one of the funnest shows that Chico and I did, we had come from Tagaytay and we had just gotten our golden dove, the two of us, and we went home at three or four in the morning and we were already boarding by six and we were drunk and we were... So hungover and so puyat, but that show was hilarious. And so I couldn't really tell you, I, I won't take one part of my uh, one episode. I love being on radio. I love this medium. This is a great medium. Look at that. Nobody writes for you. No, the jocks in Manila produce their own show. In the US, you have, you have to have your writer and producer yep. and sound guy and phone. In Manila, jocks do everything. But that really makes you creative. And if you just have the heart to do it well and really focus on what you're doing there, not just filling in air, but actually saying something, man, you're even if you reach one person, I would think that's worth it. So for me, the whole time that I was on radio, And I went on air really sad sometimes and really lost in life and not knowing what north or south, up or down, left or right. Like I didn't believe life anymore. I didn't believe love anymore. And still I put it on the show. I put it on the show because that was who I am. And that's why I'm so happy to have done that because it's not, it's me. That's me. And um, if I reached an audience, I shared something with people. So I, I really, sorry, I couldn't really take one piece out of that no, whole no, no. That's, 23 that's year run. <laughs> that's it. That's absolutely fine. Del, thank you so much for sharing your journey and your stories with me. Because again, um, you know, just being in this conversation with you is, is crazy. I never thought it would happen. So for you to even agree to do this, what an honor. Thank you. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us here on, the, rem- on, on deck. I just remember you saying, asking the question, are we crazy? Are we cr-? back in that December show? Yeah. That channel, you asked that question. Are we crazy to think that people will listen to us? Is this insane? I remember my answer and everyone said, no, no. I said, yes, you are insane to think that you have something to say that people will listen to you. But you know what? Some of us are right in that crazy thought. Some are not. 
Now you got to figure out which one you are. And maybe you're not yet that, but you could be. So be that. So you can look back in your, because your radio run will end, Stan. At some point, maybe you won't even see it coming. But if you've given it all, every show, you give yourself to the show, to the art, to the skill, to the craft, you would never regret it. And you would always look back saying, damn, those years were good. So that's what I wish you would have. Congratulations, anyway, to the podcast and to the radio career and asking really good questions. Thank you so much once again to Delamar for joining me here on deck. And man, I I just can't believe I even got to have an hour of her time for her to be so open with that, to share her story. Imagine just breaking into the radio industry in the early 90s, back when it wasn't as open and as accessible as it is right now. And to be a woman to do it back then, when doors weren't opening as easily for women, especially in the radio industry. Just an amazing and inspiring and insightful journey. If you can't get enough of stories behind the mic in the radio industry, then you might want to check out episode 3 of On Deck as well because it's now uploaded on Spotify. And my next guest is somebody I work closely with. Hell, he's my boss. He's my station manager on Wave 89.1. He's also one of the legendary names from Magic 89.9's rise to the top of the top 40 format here in the Philippines. He was formerly known as Sergeant Pepper, but now most people just really know him as Sarge. He's my next guest here on deck. So check that out on Spotify. But if you want to check out some of our other new shows here on Podcast Network Asia, here's another one that talks about society, culture, and other crazy things that make the world go round served with a side dish of fun. Local Locas is a podcast told from the perspective of two 20-30-somethings with a little something-something. So join Dabsky and Jam as they let you in on their thoughts and hot takes. All of that and more on the Podcast Network Asia channel here on Spotify. As for me, I'm going to take a break for now. I hope to catch you on episode 3 of On Deck as I talk to Sarge of Wave 89.1. Until then, thank you very much and I hope I've earned the privilege of your time. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.